This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Produced by the iLab at WBUR Boston. Welcome to Kind World. I'm Andrea Aswahe. And I'm Yasmin Ammer. So, Andrea, sometimes our relationships with our family members, the people closest to us, can seem pretty set, right? I mean, you think you know all there is to know about them. Yeah, I'm not really sure, though, because our relationships with our family members, they can grow apart, and it can be really difficult to mend and kind of put them back together. Exactly. So actually, this week, I have a story about that very thing, about how our relationships can sometimes change and grow in very interesting and inspiring ways. Chaz McClure remembers the moment when he first held his newborn 48 years ago. He'd been praying for a daughter. Oh, I mean, it was just, it would bring tears to my eyes, you know. The first time was just overwhelmingly emotional. And then holding her, and it was... uh, monumental, really one of the highlights of my whole life. That incredible moment, getting to hold this premature baby in the nursery, came soon after the agonizing pain of losing his firstborn son due to birth defects. He was only six months old. Chaz and his then-wife would lose another newborn son four years later, also due to birth defects. Chaz's only surviving child, Tanya, became his pride and joy. I swear she's the easiest child to raise that I could ever imagine, and uh, very intelligent. She was, grew up, she was witty and kind-hearted and all that. I I just couldn't have asked for a better, uh, you know, for a better daughter. As a child, Tanya and Chaz were close. They'd often take fishing trips together. Chaz taught his kid how to drive. But when Tanya was 15 years old, Chaz and his wife had a contentious divorce. Tanya blamed him for the bitter separation and the emotional toll it took on the family. There was also another simmering tension. Well, I really have felt that there was something different about me pretty much my whole life. And though I didn't have words for it at the time, It was just something I knew about myself. I just knew myself to be a boy. And then I knew myself to be a boy who was in a girl's body. As that fact became more and more obvious, it furthered the distance between Tanya and Chaz. There were occasional calls and visits over the decades, but nothing like the days when they take those long fishing trips together. It was so painful for me to be around my father because I wasn't able to be honest about who I was. It wasn't until age 45 that Tanya finally started transitioning into the person he always knew himself to be. He changed his name to Chick McClure, and he is an artist and photographer living in Los Angeles. But Chick still had a deep fear that his father, a former cowboy, a retired Navy commander, 
and a religious conservative would reject him. I was very, very concerned about still that making him proud, that I was always shape-shifting to kind of figure out what I thought the most acceptable version of myself might be for him. Because I didn't think that I was acceptable to him. At, at that particular time, anyway, in her life, I think she was holding all this stuff in and trying to uh, either protect me from it or, or was not able to really figure out how to, how to manage it, how to broach the subject and, and that sort of thing. Then one day last year, Chick got an unexpected phone call from his father with an unexpected request. Chaz asked him to go on a 10-day road trip through the deserts of Utah, just the two of them. Probably the first thing that went through my mind was, oh, expletive. (laughs) By that time, Chick had already called his father and told him he was transitioning from female to male. He said, hon, there's nothing in the world that you could ever do that would cause me not to love you. Still, they hadn't seen each other in two years. And by that time, Chick was deep into his transition. My appearance was going to be very different and... I was insecure that he would see that and that would be blasted out of the water. Like, then he would not, he would no longer want to be my father. Despite that fear, Chick said yes. And about four months after that call, in September 2018, it was time for the trip. Chaz remembers when his son came out of the hotel elevator to meet him for the first time. It was pretty startling, really, to have, not really a shock, but just kind of startling to to see what she, uh, you know, really looked like because she had a beard and uh, and her appearance had changed somewhat and she was very mannish. She'd had her, uh, had her breasts removed surgically and that sort of thing. And he looked up and, like, we locked eyes and nothing at all was said, uh, but it was... It was like this moment of acknowledgement and acceptance, and I see you, and we see each other. Like, it was, it was magic. And with that, off they went, driving through the breathtaking landscapes and listening to 50s doo-wop, with Chaz in the driver's seat the whole time and his son taking pictures. There was a, there was a time when we were driving in the car, and I... Um, I had asked him, was there any part of seeing me appear so differently that was hard for you? And he said that he, it wasn't as hard as he thought it was, as he thought it might be. You know, the, the, the fact that she just had to go through this uh, internal uh, conflict every day of her life and she felt like she had to she had to try to hide this from from me or possibly even other people i don't know yeah it would have been uh, it would have been nice not to have wasted a lot of years like that chaz has a hard time using male pronouns and still calls chick by his old name the name he gave his newborn 48 years ago 
and uh, maybe you can't teach an old dog new tricks, and I'm pretty old at this point, but it doesn't decrease the love and respect and all that that you have in your heart. Chick says he's okay with that, for now. They've come a long way, and this is the beginning of a new journey for the both of them. You know, I used to think that he was the judgmental one. He was the one that couldn't accept me. But I realize I wasn't able to accept him for who he was either. You know, like, I just I want to give him room because I love my father. And regardless of our differences, he's my father and I love him. As the trip came to an end, father and son sat at the airport, drinking coffee and waiting for Chaz to board a plane back to his home in North Carolina. They ended up calling his plane, and I just hugged him and I said, I love you, I love you, I love you, I just love you. And I couldn't say anything else. All I could say was, I, I just love you, and I'm so glad that we got to take this trip together. Well, I was cheerful, and uh, uh, it's just kind of the down part of of a tremendous high that it had been for the last you know week or ten days when we're driving around doing the windshield tour of all these beautiful sights. Before Chaz boarded, he asked his son if he would take his Navy medals, and Chick was moved. After all, those medals represented his father's life achievements. Being in the Navy has been his whole identity, and that he would want to give those to me, his trans son, (laughs) is a really big deal. It was that moment that helped Chick finally see that his father is proud. Chaz says he's always been proud. Maybe they just needed some time, together on the road, after so many years to rediscover that. And we want to be clear about something. Chick McClure agreed to let us use his name given at birth just for the purpose of telling the story, even though it's no longer his name. If you want to see some of Chick's photography from the trip, then go to our website, wbur.org slash kindworld. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to Kind World. I'm Yasmin Amr. And I'm Andrea Aswahi. Yasmin, I loved hearing Chick's story and how he developed this new relationship with his father. It's amazing what a road trip can do. I know. And even though this was a beautiful personal account, I found the message so relatable. I mean, sometimes kindness is giving someone the room to change. And often that takes time. Chick's story actually reminds me of one of my favorite stories, and it's from WBUR and the New York Times' Modern Love, the podcast. It's a story by academic and activist Jennifer Finney Boylan. In the early 2000s, Jennifer transitioned from male to female, and the family she created with her wife and two young sons, it evolved, but not in the way you might think. Here's Jennifer reading her essay, Maddie Just Might Work After All, which originally appeared in the New York Times Modern Love column in 2009. In the last year of my father's life, he started the sleepwalk. I was 27, back in my parents' house to help with his care. 
In the middle of the night, I'd hear his heavy footsteps coming up to the third floor where I lived in a room locked with a deadbolt. He'd creep through the hallway and open the door to the spare room, diagonally across the hall from mine, and lie down in the guest bed. After a while, he'd start to snore, and I'd know he was okay, at least until morning, when he'd wake up, confused and angry. God damn it, he'd say. Where am I? What the hell am I doing here? He didn't know I was transsexual, or if he did, he never said anything about it. I doubt he even knew the word transsexual or transgender, and almost surely could not have explained the difference between the two. But that's okay. For a long time, I couldn't figure it all out either. Once, though, when I was in high school, my father was clicking through channels on the TV and came upon the Rocky Horror Picture Show. This is the scene where Frankenfurter is waltzing around in fishnet stockings, singing, Well, you got caught with a flat. Well, how about that? My father raised an eyebrow and said, Well, there he is, Jim, your biggest fan. For a single terrified second, I feared that he knew exactly what was going on in my room when the door was locked. Was it possible, I wondered, that from the very beginning, my father had understood the thing that had lain in my heart, and which I had apparently so completely failed to conceal? Decades later, my two children and my wife and I were sitting around the kitchen table, eating dinner. I was mid-transition. My older son, Zach, gave me a look. What? I said. He was seven at the time. We can't keep calling you daddy, he said. If you're going to be a girl, it's too weird. The whole bait-and-switch, as I called it, was nearly over. It seemed like it had been going on for years, and in a sense it had, since the days of my father's sleepwalking, since I'd walked through the woods as a child in Pennsylvania, hoping I could be cured by love, praying to God to make me whole. In the end, the prayer was answered, although not in the way I'd expected. Because of the love of my spouse, Didi, not to mention that of my boys, I found the courage, somehow, to traverse the weird ocean between men and women, to make the voyage not only from one sex to another, but from a place where my life was defined by the secrets I kept, to a new one where almost everything I'd ever held in my heart could finally be spoken out loud. Well, I said to my sons, my new name is Jenny. You could call me Jenny. Zach just laughed derisively. Jenny? That's the name you'd give a lady mule. I tried not to be hurt. Okay, fine. What do you want to call me? The important thing, boys, said Dee Dee, is that you pick something you're comfortable with. Zach thought it over. He was pretty good at naming things. For a while, we'd had a hermit crab named Grabber. Later on, we owned a snake called Biter. I know, he said. Let's call you Maddie. That's like half mommy and half daddy. Anyway, I know a girl at school named Maddie. She's nice. His younger brother, Sean, said, Or Dommy. We all laughed. Even Sean laughed. Dommy. What a dumb name for a transgender parent. After the hilarity died down, I nodded. Huh? Maddie might work, I said. Maddie might just work. By the time my boys were in middle school, our family began to seem pretty normal to us again. 
I woke everyone up in the morning, I made breakfast, I got Sean to practice his French horn, and Zach his three-quarter size tuba. Dee Dee was in charge of dinner and shepherding the boys through their homework and coaching Sean's traveling soccer team. After a time, Dee Dee and I even began to seem familiar to each other again, and the things that had changed in me seemed, incredibly, less important to Dee Dee than what had remained the same. Was she crazy to stay with me after I'd announced my intention to transition? Maybe. Whenever the reason, she decided that her life was better with me in it than not. And if this makes her nuts, fine. Have it your way. She's nuts. Sweet, though. In the fall, we picked apples. In the winter, we skied. In summer, we fished on Long Pond. Most of the time, we forgot there was anything extraordinary about our family. And who knows? Maybe there's not. But even though we had now crossed that wide, strange ocean of gender together and come to rest at last, an unsettling question still haunted me, usually at night when I found myself awake in the wee hours. What kind of men would my boys become, having been raised by a father who became a woman? I'd hear the clock ticking as I lay in the dark, thinking about my own precarious boyhood with its secrets and its deadbolts, and I'd wonder how I was possibly going to help my sons become themselves. I'd even hear a voice in my heart demanding an answer to the same question my harshest critics had asked of me. What about the children? What about your boys? And then it happened. Nearly two years ago, Zach came home from school one afternoon and told Dee Dee and me that he needed to talk to us about something serious. He said he'd reached two very important personal decisions. Dee Dee and I exchanged glances. We'd been expecting something like this ever since my transition began years before. And even though both of my boys had gotten this far without any apparent psychological trauma from having me as a parent, we'd never stopped worrying. Okay, said Zach, as we gathered in the living room. His brother wanted no part of whatever this was about and headed downstairs to the Xbox. First off, I've decided... He looked down, and Dee Dee and I looked at each other uneasily. I've decided that I want to become... What? What did he want to become? I've decided I want to become... a pacifist. Dee Dee and I exchanged glances. Relieved. A pacifist, I said. Yes, I want to work for peace. There was a moment of silence. Then Dee Dee spoke. Well, good for you, Zach. We're proud of you. We'll go online, see if we can find, like, some peace marches we can all go to, if you want. Yeah, I said cautiously, but you said you'd made two decisions? What was the other one? Do you want to tell us about the other decision? Yeah, okay. This is the hard one. Blushing, he looked at me. Maddie, I really don't want to disappoint you. It's all right, son. I shot him a look, and I wondered briefly if my look was similar to the look my father had given me when we'd shared the glimpse of Frankenfurter dancing in his fishnets. All right, he said. I think I want to stop playing the tuba and to start playing the Irish fiddle. 
that's it, said Dee Dee. I went over and hugged him. It's okay, I said. You were great on tuba. I know you'll be great on fiddle. He heaved a sigh. Whew, he said. Boy, that was really hard. Zack knew how much I loved his tuba playing, and apparently he was afraid that if he made the big switch from tuba to fiddle, somehow I might love him less. Needless to say, I empathized. I knew what that kind of fear felt like. But what I did not know and would soon learn about was the depth of Zack's empathy for me. A month later, he had to write an essay for school about an experience that had changed him. This is what he wrote. An experience that changed me is that my dad is transgender and became my Maddie. A person who is transgender has a lifelong sense of being born into the wrong body. I was about four when Maddie began the transition. I don't really remember the experience well because it was over nine years ago. Once the transition had taken place, I was comfortable with it, but I was worried what my friends would think. I kept it secret for a little bit, but eventually they all found out. They accepted it a lot better than I thought they would. Maddie is funny and wise. We go fishing and biking. We talk a lot about anything that is on our minds. One night this spring, Maddie and I had a fancy dinner at a restaurant in Waterville. It was a special night. I wore a jacket and a tie. I had a steak. It made me feel like Maddie and I were really close. Maddie said that she thought I was growing up and that she was proud of me. Sometimes it's true that I wish I had a regular father but only because I don't remember what it was like to have a normal family. Sometimes it's hard to have a family that is different. But most of the time, I think I am the luckiest kid on earth. Even though my family is different, I can't think of any way that life could be better. What about the boys, I had wondered. What about my kids? From what I could see, the kids are all right. That was writer, academic, and activist Jennifer Finney Boylan on WBUR and the New York Times' Modern Love, the podcast. Next week on Kind World, we speak with a Minnesota man who learned to play the bugle for a very special reason. I can never put on a uniform. I can't ever be a soldier. can't save somebody's life on the battlefield, but I can honor those who did. Kind World is a production of WBUR, Boston's NPR station. Paul Vikas and Matt Reed do our sound design. Gabriella Mrazowski is our production assistant. Caitlin O'Keefe produces, directs, and edits Modern Love, the podcast, with help from the editor of the Modern Love column for the New York Times, Dan Jones. Original scoring and sound design by Matt Reed. Iris Adler is our executive producer, and I'm reporter and producer Yasmin Amar. And I'm reporter and producer Andrea Aswahe. Are you interested in helping us produce podcasts? We're looking for a spring 2020 intern to join our iLab team at WBUR. If you're interested, send us a resume and a little bit about why you want to work with us to ilab underscore internships at wbur.org. That's I-L-A-B underscore internships at wbur.org. More information about our internship program is on our website, wbur.org. 
Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.